Hey, Paul. Hey, Fab. How you doing? I'm good. Yourself? Good. Cool. So today's going to be... I'm back in my basement, so I have no idea what the weather's like outside. Um, so uh, today's maybe a little bit of a different topic. Um, it's just because I happened to land on two articles that really made me think uh, over the past couple of weeks, and, and I wanted to get your point of view on it. And, and it's really kind of this idea of uh, sales relationships versus sales data, for lack of a better word. So sure. uh, one one article is, is an article by The Atlantic, and I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but but the, the author was kind of arguing that baseball got boring, right? Because because every team now is, quote unquote, moneyballing everything. So for anybody not familiar with the book or movie, is it's just an approach that, that, that baseball games can be won by looking at the data, right? So instead of like, touchy feely like which best player and this and that you're going to go more with their stats because there's so many stats in baseball and again i'm paraphrasing and i'm, I'm not a baseball connoisseur or or, or big fan to any, in any way shape or form but he was basically arguing that baseball got boring because of this so every team's approach now is exactly the same and there's basically no more art to the game it's all a science thing and in parallel um one of our old guests john selig wrote um wrote an article about how he uh like me normally works with a lot of SaaS companies and there's like usually SaaS companies are very like high pressure uh, a lot of very data-driven sales approach um and 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 therefore a lot of reliance on sales data whether it's manually entered in the crm or automatic or but the preference is obviously automatically entered into the crm um but he went to a manufacturing trade show which was for and purposes, the more traditional style of selling, right? Like big contracts, uh, long sales cycles, very relationship driven. I, I'll I'll extrapolate by saying no stable CRM entry process, no automation. And you know, I've worked with with that type of a sales team where they're like they didn't they didn't even want to log their emails into HubSpot. They're like, no, I'm I'm just going to log it myself whenever I send an email. Like I don't want any automation going out. And and I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition. And I'm like kind of asking myself, like, are we are we trying to make sales boring? Quote unquote, to take that baseball article analogy. Like, should we? Is it a mistake that we're doing it? Is it is it a company thing? Like, what's your what's your point of view on that? Because you obviously work with a lot of also more traditional teams, right? That have maybe that more relationship approach. Let's call it that relationship yeah, versus yeah, approach. Actually, I've worked with both sides of that spectrum. And it's interesting to use the word boring because, um, I mean, it's an emotion, right? If you're bored. <laughs> so uh, to me, it's not about, and, and I, I, I don't mean to minimize what you're saying, but it's not about being bored or not. It's about what works, right? Um, I don't think he meant that the, the people themselves are bored. I think it's just like the the game. Like I'm, I'm taking his wording from the that article yeah, on baseball. Well, is the game got, so is it, yeah. So has the... Well, you know, if you look at, so if you look at the money ball approach, if we take the baseball analogy for a second, the fact that it's so data-driven, what it's done is it's sort of evened out the playing field, right? So right. at first it was just, was it the Boston Red Sox or something that did it and they started doing better for it, what team it was, but, and it got a lot better. Yeah, Oakland, Oakland, yeah. Oh, it was Oakland, right. okay. And, they, and then they moved to baseball and uh, to Boston and all that stuff, but yeah. Yeah, Oakland. exactly. So, so essentially, essentially what you're saying is that, 
what they did worked. So I think the answer is a little bit in, in what you're saying is that, okay, it may be as a, maybe as a consumer of that sport, it gets a little boring, but as far as being the team owner and the success, so if you look at sales and you look at the sales people and the success of the team, if it goes up, well, then, you know, if the, if your ultimate goal is to maximize the efficiency of your activity and your methodology to create hopefully more results, if you're super data driven and it's working, I mean, yeah, it might be boring to the old school salesperson who used to like to go out and wine and dine and, and play golf and whatnot. But if you, you know, the way I would say it is, I'd put it like this, honestly. If you say to someone, so look, you know, you used to go out wine and dine and you had a whole sort of approach that was much more um, relationship driven and you got, you know, X result. And now what we've seen is with the data approach, and the you know very methodical optimization everything goes along with the data um you're managing to get the same results in four days well then take your fifth day for fun uh fun goofy activities you know what i'm saying so it's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive to say that well look let's make it a little bit less efficient we'll have fun all the time but what if you were more efficient part of the time and that then you can create fun activities like you know the, these super modern companies these SaaS companies are saying okay so yeah, we're not doing as much whining and dining, but we're having this great, you know, fun day once a month. And we're, you know, we have pool tables in the office. So I don't think one has, I don't think the efficiency has to take away from the funness. Do you know what mm. I'm saying? And and you're right. There, yeah. Some industries, you know, oh, sorry, you know, some industries, the traditional sales model is expected because the buyers at the other end, expect that. So if you're in an industry that is still more traditional and they expect to be wine and dine and they expect to be brought out to golf and they, you know, well then, then you have to follow the flow of your client expectations. But if your but, client expectations don't exist. Well. But, but then, but I mean, I don't see that as necessarily, necessarily mutually exclusive, right? If, if, if part if part of your sales is because your clients expect to be one and done and, and all that stuff, you know, like maybe that's, is, is what you're saying that is it's hard to process size that for a lot of, you know, no, like when you're in, no, in SaaS, you know, like people are expecting to the, to have the zoom meetings and the virtual demos. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, like if people are expecting to be one and done, couldn't you process size that? Yeah, as well? I, I think you can do both. Uh, that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, if you can create efficiency and processize your whining and dining and your, your customer experience, go for it. Like if you can create efficiency, you should always do it. I mean, you know, a very, very silly basic example would be if you're, you know, if, if let's say you, you wine and dine someone three times a week and uh, you know, you've got to go on the road and they're in a certain part of town. Well, you know, at least what you could do is say, okay, well, we'll do it all within the same two days. You know, I'll take, I'll do two lunches in one dinner and I'll, you know, I'll fly to that city and I'll do it all in one day rather than, you know, sort of doing it willy nilly all over the place. Like you can still create process organization and, and a certain amount of intelligence, what's going on. You can still think of your, you know, the way the questioning, the way you're going to do it, you can still enter that stuff in your CRM. Like there's ways of like, like, like you're saying to, to balance it, to, to take the best of both worlds. 
And if that means, well, you know, we're very efficient when we work and then, you know, more often, you know, instead of doing the golf tournament once a year, now we do um, an, an event every month, you know, we do volleyball and then we do the golf in the summer we go skiing because the other part is a lot more efficient. And, mm. and if the client likes that. It's like, well, it makes sense. If the client says, no, 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 I want it the traditional. Well, well, you got to see how you can, well, decide whether you want to work with that client and, and see how it makes sense for them. So I don't think so, it's one or the other, but I, I think to ignore, to ignore one or the other is a mistake because mm. they both have some value in what they're doing. Right. And sorry, I'm, I'm rambling on here, but one more thing, you can't really compare it to, I don't think you can compare it as much to the baseball money ball analogy because people go see baseball they want some entertainment they want some crazy grand slams they want some bad moves they want people to make mistakes they you know they don't always want it to be you know whatever the baseball scores are you know even or and it comes down to one like you know one inning and it's all they don't want that they 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 want the excitement so maybe the excitement's gone you know they, mm. they, they, it's like in hockey, you know, you don't see a lot of breakaways anymore. Remember in this, I don't know, you were very young in the 70s, but so was I. But I remember, you know, you watched the 70s. <laughs> I wasn't born in the 70s, but it's okay. Right. You know, and I remember watching like mid-70s hockey games and like the guy would get the puck. He wasn't wearing a helmet and like, you know, I was super young watching. It'd be super exciting. you get the huge breakaway. Well, you don't, you don't see that as much anymore. You know, you don't mm. see the breakaways. So it's, it's but, you know. Yeah, you can't compare it to an entertainment. I don't think you can compare it to an entertainment sport because that's what baseball, hockey, <clears throat> music. Yeah, same thing about music. Fab. Sure. A lot of top forty music now is totally formulaic. You know, they yeah. pretty much. You know, it's it's not. You know, you've got some people that are a lot better. You know, you know, I'm into music, so you got some people that are good at in the pop format, but some people are just like you know, <laughs> rehashing formula stuff, and they're doing okay. But that's entertainment. Yeah. Sales, I don't think is about entertainment. I don't know. Maybe That's I'm a wrong. valid point. Yeah, I, I think the the entertainment part is is maybe not what it was. I think it's just more the result. I think like what I what I what I was kind of hearing within those two articles is that like it's not necessarily the entertainment part. It's more the matter of like there's kind of the human approach which allows you to have these breakaways, right? <laughs> Sing that a scene, signing that crazy deal, right? Out of the blue, Paul comes in you know, like Paul is like this black box of um, sales magic, right? Like he, he gets somebody, he, he sells it and nobody really knows what they did. Um, and then you have the more formulaic approach to sales, right? Like, you know, like first you, you prep your call, then you have your discovery call and here are all the steps that you have to cover in your discovery calls. And you shouldn't have more than two meetings. If you have more than two meetings, that's becoming inefficient. And, and, and you have all those, steps basically that a rep follows and so there's a lot less room yes so you'll still have reps that get it and will maybe do it a bit more intuitively and some reps will just have to be trained more and coached more the problem uh, with intuitive fab is it's not repeatable so yeah let's say that paul guy it certainly wouldn't be me because i'm pretty organized um <laughs> paul guy comes in and just wings it and he doesn't even know what he did well it's a one shot. You can't learn from it. It doesn't really help you. And you don't know, maybe the client, he just got lucky because the client that day was in the right mood. He didn't ask enough questions. He did a sales pitch. It closed, you know, right away. You know, it wasn't the six month cycle. It was like a one week cycle. But <clears throat> if you don't analyze what happened, it's kind of useless. You know what I mean? It's sort of like mm -hmm. saying, uh, you know, I managed to hit the 
the perfect golf. You know, I hit 300 yards. I've only done that once in my life. I came in and I go, you know, I had a beer after lunch. I was chilled out and I just hit 300 yards. Oh, yeah, what'd you do? I have no clue. Right, you'll never hit it again. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it, it doesn't. So to me, as much as I'm a passionate guy and I, I love, you know, fun things. And, you know, if I go to a baseball game, I would want it to be exciting. I wouldn't want it to be boring. And if I go to a hockey game, I want it to be crazy and fun. Um, when it comes to sales, I think it's a different thing. It's not, it's sort of like saying, okay, we're a manufacturer and today we're going to do whatever. We're going to see what comes out at the end of the, of the product line. You know, we're going to just throw a bunch of stuff in there and we're going to see what the car is. Well, you know what? might not might not work so well you know what i mean yeah yeah so to me so that's why i i think you you've got to understand what you do and that's why it needs to be processed you need to understand what makes you good even as a mm. salesman you need to understand and it doesn't mean it has to be boring you still need relationship you still need inter interconnect inter uh, connection inter communication interaction but it, it, it definitely, you definitely have to understand what's going on. You know, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know, when you talk about open-ended questions, well, understanding and learning to ask an open-ended question leads to really exciting and, and fun conversations. Mm. So, so it can be fun and organized. That's, that's my point, you know? Yeah. No, and I hear what you're saying. Obviously, like that's, you know, I, I tend to, to, to agree with that, you know, given that I'm more on the, operational side of things and it's really hard to even even to a certain extent even forecast your revenue when you're going purely on intuition or when your team is purely in that intuition relationship where we called it for the show relationship mindset where it's like it's not really clear what's going to close when because there's just no process to it and and are, are you doing it the best way possible obviously there's different realities obviously there's a change management involved if you're if you're dealing with with a team that's been doing things more intuitively let's call it that or relationship driven and now you're kind of asking them to to follow a process uh and, and you have to be mindful of that and maybe it's not like rolling out like a massive hubspot instance with all these properties that they need you know like okay let's 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 go you know peel back the onion layer by layer right let's just start with you entering your deals and so on and so forth um but yeah so but, but that's what i'm understanding that you're saying as well right there's value there for a company and, and if we continue that parallel with the baseball team is like, there's value for the team in maximizing your wins through, uh, through stats, let's say. Um, and at the end of the day, sure. Maybe a, a, sli a sliver of hardcore baseball fans may say the games change, right. In the same way that a hockey game is different in 1976 than it is in 2022. But at the end of the day, like fans like winning teams. Right. And if you're, you're, uh, your your best chance of winning is by optimizing through stats. Then then that's best better for for most people. I would say. Let's go down that sports analogy for a second. So, actually, I I, I disagree with you that fans like winning teams because no offense to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967, and they're still right. But imagine, I guess what I'm saying is. The, 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 the bulk of the franchise that makes the most money and they're yeah. still and they're still the ones that probably have the strongest fans so in that case so think of this sales to me 
is like the Toronto Maple Leafs without the fans. So take away the fans because the management of the Maple Leafs are probably using a little bit of a money ball data thing. And they're probably saying, well, what can we do to maximize uh, whatever it is? And, and so they, they may have figured out that they don't need to win that much. So they only spend so much on players. They know that the fans are still going to stay. So they know that we don't have to win Stanley cups. We don't have to get all the a players because we're making a ton of money. You know, the, yeah. the number one franchise in hockey is not the one that wins the most. So, like, like if you're a businessman yeah. and, you are and you're investing in that, like, the fans are coming anyways. We're just about keeping it equal. So they figured out their formula. But let's take it out of that for a second. Let's say as a let's say as an owner, or not as an owner, but let's say as a manager of the team, and your owner talk, and your all the owner wants is for you to win. So you say, okay, you're doing the whole money ball thing. The fans think it's boring like crazy, but the owner just wants you to win. He doesn't want you to give exciting ball games. He wants you to win because he knows if you get to this much and whatever, it, it makes more yeah. money somehow. Well, then that's what a, that's what a company's doing. It doesn't have a company doesn't have an audience of fans watching in wanting it to be exciting. That, mm. That's basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I think. Well, so just to, I know this is not a sports show by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it's you want it to be. There's fast. a difference between. A Toronto Maple Leafs, like an original six in hockey, or a New York Yankees, or whatnot, and let's say in hockey still the Phoenix Coyotes, right? Like they would probably have a lot more revenue if they had a winning team. You know, obviously some teams have that history. Like in some ways, that a brand will have, you know, like an Apple, very different than, you know, some other smaller cell phone provider, right? Or HD, or I don't know. I don't know if I've cell phone providers, but so there is also that brand component to it that, that is that play in there, but, but you're right. There's no fans. There's no excitement. I think, um, I think what I was trying to question you about is more about, you know, like, are we getting to a point where we need to make sales boring and like companies need to understand that, you know, startups are doing it and, and some are not doing it very well, right? Like it's still a learning curve, but we need, like companies need to understand that slowly but surely every industry needs to get this data playbook. Not that relationships aren't important, but it can't be relationship driven anymore. It can't be unpredictable anymore. We have to try to build in some predictability into our sales approach because then, especially like today right we're, we're entering more possibly entering a difficult economic conditions when there's no predictability then it becomes really hard for a business to decide where to invest down the line right because if things were going well when paul could do whatever he wanted and somehow sales were coming in but then the, the economy is not so hot anymore and then the sales aren't coming in paul's still just doing whatever he wants it's like how do we try to are we gain is that just the reality of the market are we is there something that we could be doing differently like that's what I'm trying to see is well, like, yeah, and you're and you're right, Fab. I think what you're talking about is tradition, and what mm. people perceive the romantic image of that you know that that salesperson, that B2B salesperson that goes on the road, and you know has you know lunches and and conversations and closes deals. And if that works for you, if that's if you've tried basically what I, what I what I would say to a business owner is what works best. If you've got ten reps on the road and they're whining and dining, and you're making your 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 quotas and it's crazy, and you've tried some stuff, and you, let's say you've got ten reps that are like that, more traditional, and you've got five reps that are in house, and and they can't even come close 
to those guys on the road, well, then you know your answer. Now, hmm. vice versa, if you got 10 reps on the road and you got your five internal sales reps that are just making phone calls and they're they're booking, you know, 70% of the business or even 60% of the business, your guys on the road are just like holding on and they're booking, you know, 50%, but they're twice as big a team and they cost you three times more. Hmm. It's a, it's a business, you know, it's a business and the romantic view that salesperson might not like it. You know, that guy in his mid fifties saying, yeah, I've been doing this forever and it works. Well, I'm sorry. You know, the little 25 year olds like whipping your butt (laughs) and and doing the other process. Well then as a business owner, it's like, well, you know, what do my clients really want? Like I I lived this in media when Mm. I started media in the late nineties. I was supposed to wine and dine. I hated it by the way. But I was supposed to wine and dine every week, and you know I got fat, and well, for me, you know, I, I got, I became overweight, I became unhealthy, and I, I didn't like that lifestyle. But that's what was expected. Well, shortly thereafter, you know, in in like I'd even say as soon as 98, 99, the, 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 the there's a huge wave that started changing, and people were doing much more business on the phone and 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 using um, using um, software a lot more to to interact and. And it became way more efficient. And for people that adjusted, they I remember a few of the old guys, oh, it's not the same anymore. Uh, you know, we used to do a deal in a corner with a napkin. It's like, yeah, but it was stupid. It was you've got all these tools now and you can't do anymore. So, you know, go do your napkin deals. Well, and what they did is they they they, they um you know they packaged all these people out and they created efficiency. Now competition was moving in, like the whole industry changed. You've, of mm. course, you've got some people that are saying, oh, it used to be wonderful. But you know what? It, was, it, it, it had to change because if it didn't change and those that didn't, there's a few companies that don't exist anymore, went straight down the tube. Was it only mm. because of sales? No, there's probably some bad decisions. But I mean, uh, pr- production decisions. But, you mm. know, I'm sure it didn't help. You know, if you've got a very inefficient, costly way of doing business, because ultimately, if I'm the CEO, I'm going to say, okay, What's my cost of sales here? Okay, these guys are costing me 15% of sales. They bring in 50% of my sales. So their, their cost to run their, their, their entity is 15%. These guys over here are costing me 5%, and they're bringing me the, oh, okay, well. <laughs> you know. Now, you might have some clients who say, I insist on doing it the old way. That's all right. But then you've got, you, you really have to, really, you've got to look at the numbers. It's not about mm. the individual fields. You've got to look at the numbers. And that's where... I think you can, you, there are some industries that are still whining and dining and they do it well. And they only might need four or five big deals a year. And they're in an, in, in an industry where relationship is really important because there's stiff competition and it's almost like a, a high-end commodity. And ultimately, you're making your decision based on relationship. Well, then they'll continue that way. Or if you're in a, a very SaaS-driven new type of business where there's a huge amount of competition and it's just really fast turnover, then you've got to do it that way. But you got to look at what the numbers tell you that that that's, listen, that's my opinion. And to me, if I was a CEO, I'd say, look at the numbers, what's your cost of sale and how much of the percentage are they bring in and try both ways. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you can even speaking to some, some owners or maybe not owners, but presidents and CEOs, um, they don't even have the numbers. Right. And I think that's, that's the first indication that there's something afoot, right? And I think you're right. I think at the end of the day, you're running a business, and you know if you got to, if you can't get your numbers, 
then you need to, you know, something's off and you need to start collecting those numbers. And that probably means heading more towards a data driven approach. And I agree, like some industries for sure are probably going to stay very relationship driven for a very foreseeable future, right? Because like you mentioned, the high-end commodity where, but even that you could potentially argue that that can be dethroned, right? Like you can argue that uh, a book might have been maybe not a high-end commodity, but uh, and a lot of independent bookstores got pushed out when these big box bookstores and the Amazons came in uh, because even though you can no longer get your personalized recommendations, well, algorithms can start giving you personalized recommendations uh, if just as well, if not better. And yeah, you could lament the the, the years gone and, and how fun it was to have your little shop and maybe there was a coffee machine there and you would just chat about books. Um, so I, fact, I could- The only I, people that will lament are the people over 40. The young people haven't experienced that. They love yeah. the, the algorithms because they're, they're suggested things. I mean, I think you and I are pretty modern. I don't miss the day where I went in the bookstore and the one person gave me a suggestion. I way rather look at 100 reviews yeah. <clears throat> online, do it quickly, and order my book and have it delivered to my house. And yeah. there's a coffee shop in my neighborhood, and I go there to have coffee. <laughs> and I bring my book. I don't have to buy a book. My coffee shop, you know, so it's more of a romanticized. So I think yeah. what, what we're really saying, Fab, is that if a certain model works better and it's old, it can still be good. If a certain model is new and it works not as well, well, then it's bad. So it's not about whether the model is old or new. It's about the efficiency of that model. That's mm. what I, that's what I would say to any CEO. That's what I'd say to any CRO. That's what I'd say to any VP sales. I'd say, don't be biased on the age of the model just see which model works best for you because hey if you're selling to a bunch of 65 year old people who want to be wined and dine and will only buy from you in that reason then you for that reason then you've got to do that <laughs> mm, yeah but but on the flip side like we said that doesn't mean that can't be processized right like there could be yeah. it could just mean that yeah you're not a zoom demo type of organization whatever you're still wanting and dining but you're still tracking like how many meetings did we have um you know what's our relationship with them how are we gauging the relationship with them um it's still doable it's just different than than what we see a lot of SaaS companies talking about yeah yeah and and, and quick quick uh, tangent you know like i said when i started in sales there was a lot of that and what i saw is that a lot of people in a large corporations you know, when you're when you're down at the, you know when you're a salesperson starting at a large corporation, there's a distance from you and and the big boss. And when you have those expense accounts, when you have that freedom, unfortunately, came came with it a lot of abuse, a lot of abuse. You know, mm. to the point where I would say up to fifty percent of the of the expense account, which was huge sometimes, was. You know, so I understand those companies when the bean counters came in and said, "Hey." <laughs> This doesn't make sense to me. And when they started cutting, so so you're right. If you processize it and it makes sense and you continue. And I know there's still in, in the finance world, got a few friends in the finance world, very high-end finance world. They're still whining and dining to an extent, but it's very processized because they're talking about very specific things. They're going out to fancy restaurants, but they're doing business. You know, yeah. so so do you have to do it? Yeah, yeah. I think if you've got a really, you and I said it just before the show. I said, "Hey, Fab, you know, I had a really crappy shirt on this. I'm going to go change my shirt before we start this." And you said, "Paul, there's no such thing as casual. It doesn't matter how you dress. My shirt was really, you know, all 
wrinkled. It didn't look, it didn't look as good as your T-shirt, we'll say. So that, <laughs> that, that's an impression, right? So if you're dealing with, let's say we're dealing with someone who's very traditional, who's like, you know, a 70-year-old CEO, and he meets me and you're like, I can't believe that guy came to a sales meeting in a T-shirt. And you're saying brilliant stuff. And the guy's not listening to you because you're wearing a T-shirt. Well, okay, that's an emotion. But let's say you're saying brilliant stuff and the old guy goes, hey, that crazy kid in the T-shirt saying really brilliant stuff. I don't care if he comes in naked. <laughs> you know, I want to oh, do business with him. You know, But you know what I'm saying yeah. is that at one point, you've got to judge um, as, 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 a, as, a, as a person running a business, you've got to decide what makes sense. And because you have access to all this data today and you have access to managing data and you have access to automation which really and dashboards and, and data analysis that gives you wonderful stats on things what well, use it to your advantage to mm. decide which techniques are best whether they're old or not you know if you try stuff and you say okay you know we take out our top 10 clients three times a year to really fancy restaurants and we found that that has increased their loyalty because we're in a very commodity driven business damn keep doing it but like you mm. like you said make a process of it you know yeah how did it so you, you can still processize that you know so yeah. i think we're saying the same thing <laughs> yeah no i agree i mean at the end of the day the, the data i think that's what the money ball approach was right it's about looking at data to determine what the best you know player is and and you know and we might not have public stats on salespeople we definitely have internal stats and if you're like okay well Paul's a good, and but let's not get into the whole closer opener discussion, but good closer, right? He's really good at, at taking the puck and, and scoring basically. And, you know, Fab's really like horrible at closing. Like he just doesn't get that part of that conversation, but he's really great at getting people on the phone. Let's, let's maybe reshift things or let, let's get more Fabs because we need to build Paul's pipeline more. Let's get more Paul's because yeah. Fab's just filling up too much. Within that, you, Paul could still be going out to restaurants yeah. or or hockey games, um, and and Fab could still be you know working an hour a day if that's what's making it work. You know, like that doesn't matter. But yeah. but but yeah, cool. That's very interesting. But uh, you know, I, I have to say, I have to say that in my practical experience, and I don't know about yours, but in my practical experience, there's very few of the old school wine and dines that are still doing well. And the ones that are doing well usually are the owners of the company. <laughs> that are doing well or are not doing yeah, well? Yeah, the ones that are doing well, they still do the wine and dine because they are using it to its maximum. They know they're paying out of their own pocket. They're running the show. They're going to meet someone. Yeah. It, it's very different. Like, uh, but you yeah. know, honestly, when two low level, like when I was a sales rep selling to, a, I don't want to say low level, but let's say down the, the hierarchy, you know, a salesperson taking a, a, a media buyer out and I was bringing the hockey game. It didn't mean I was going to get more, more thing, more, more business. I even remember back then some buyers saying to me, you know, you got You got, I need more tickets. I need to be taken up more. You know, if you want to hire share, like that's a terrible buyer. I mean, what are you doing for your client saying, I'm going to buy more of you because I'm, I'm Mr. Klein. I'm going to buy more of this because that sales rep brought me to the hockey game more often. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Although, although when I was in the media space, I didn't enjoy the hockey games. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's, that's the difference, right? Is that you're doing it for yourself. Right? People, 
when you were in that media st space on the agency side, would you have given someone more business no. because they brought you to a hockey game? No, it's just, it, it helps you stay top of mind. But if at the end of the day, the media that they're representing is not a good fit for whatever campaign you had, you know, cause at the end of the day, you're the one you directly, or you, a colleague is directly accountable to your client. Right. And so if we place it on media, a, that's just not the right audience, but media, a brings us out to hockey games all the time. Somebody at the end of the day is going to have to present those numbers and that plan to the client and the client's going to push back and being like, why are we spending yeah. there uh, when we could be spending yeah. here? And, instead? And, and what's the value? And a very anecdotal example of that is, you know, when I was uh, a VP somewhere in my past, you know, there, there were some people making an inordinate amount of, we're paying huge amounts of commission and we packaged them out. We replaced them with much more junior people that had more approach. And those senior people said, you'll see your business is going to go down. Well, the business didn't go down. Yeah, you know, the business actually went up because those junior people actually worked hard rather than just going out and, and, and take people that you know. So I, listen, you know, I, I'm you know, I, 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 it's very anecdotal, you know, and you can't use that in a study, but you know, from experience over thirty years, um, you know, the uh, for me, I find the new way of doing business, the the the, the data driven is much more efficient. It doesn't mean you don't build a relationship, but no. It, it's, no, no. it's not in a vacuum somewhere, you know? It's just it, not relationship no, driven, have, right? It's about- No, 50 years ago, if you wanted to get a municipal contract in most places in North America, you know, the, 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 the municipal or, fit, or 70 years or hundred years ago, then your municipal guy would open the drawer and you'd drop some money in there, you know? Well, process, you know, transparency there's a lot less of that than there used to be well you know what sales yeah. was a little bit the same way back then hey man you want the contract yeah. you know you know like i remember the olympic stadium some guys were having swimming pools built with the cement that was supposed to go to the montreal olympic stadium you know there when when you don't have transparency when you just base yourself on relationship it becomes a little bit doggy dog unless you're super yeah. honest you know and there were some there, i'm sure there were some very honest people but Usually, when you when you start going free reign, you start getting some weird things happen. So I like mm -hmm. data. I like data. Nice. <laughs> I like relationship, and I don't think one has to be at the. But you need data. You need transparency to keep you honest, and and that's why sales is also. You know, people don't see sales as negatively as they used to see it 20, 30 years mm -hmm. ago. Salespeople are perceived. It's not. It's not as negative a thing because you know you don't have shysters like you. Well, not as many shysters as you used to have. Anyway, I'm totally well, off my thing. No, no, this is really good. Yeah. This is interesting. I don't know if people got value out of it, but I thought it was an interesting conversation. Uh, I hope I so. Think it's definitely an interesting conversation for interesting conversation for um, people that are less in the SaaS space. Something to think about. I, I hope. I hope if anybody's going to take away anything from this episode is that if you're not data driven SaaS, whatever is, um, you know, do I need to start building that out? more and i think if you if you're in SaaS, i think if you're if you listen all the way to the here to get my royal conclusion is um is that are we measuring the right things right because there, there is also data for the sake of data and and uh, and the money ball approach is about looking at the right data at the right moments and stuff like that i just thought of it one last amazing analogy can i please put it out there yeah go for it cut me off fab's the one who's got the cutoff button so think of stradivarius violins Okay, they did it in a very old traditional way 500 years ago, right? Yeah, and most it's been mostly lost. 
But imagine if back then you had the data been able to collect it. And then today you could take whatever is possible to be produced by a machine, because a lot of the wood carving and all that stuff, and even the gluing could be done by a machine. And then you could get the secret sauce that, you know, Stradivari used to mix to make the varnish and the glue even, and what kind of trees you took. Well, you could, there you could have a perfect world of taking whatever Stradivari did, reproducing it in a manufacturing process. And instead of just having hundreds of great Stradivari violin, violins, you could have hundreds of thousands of Stradivari violins. So everyone in the world who's a violinist could profit from having a beautiful violin that sounds like the Stradivarius, right? Mm. So that's my analogy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good analogy. And I mean, again, we could go far, but you know, I started like a lot of North Americans during COVID uh, got into Formula One. And I mean, if you look at a lot of the history, you know, like, and, and some some teams were saying, like some of the older teams were saying that, you know, it just used to be a bunch of guys who liked mechanics and, and driving fast cars. And I mean, now it's a completely different yeah. game, right? It's like beyond that. Yeah. All right, Paul, I this has been fun. We'll have to, we'll have to uh, wedge that one in next time. I love that. I, I watched the whole nice. Formula One series. Okay. Nice. Ciao, Paul. Cool. Bye, Paul. Take care. Bye.